Union of the Unknowns, a podcast dedicated to the exploration of modern culture, presents a weekly digest of current events that may have slipped past your radar. This is not your mama's news. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Not Your Mama's News, presented by the Union of the Unknowns. I'm your host tonight, Keelthor. With me are the unknowns. She's a lady of high sophistication. Ashley, think, change, repeat. Hello. She's a true Sheila from the land down under, Stella Q. Hello there. And, of course, America's sweetheart, the lovely Ismkant. Good afternoon, fellas and ladies. On not your... <laughs> Sorry. On Not Your Mama's News, of course, we bring news stories to you from around the world that you may not be aware of. As the fella says at the beginning of the show. So <laughs> we'll kick the show off tonight, starting with Justin. So uh, this one's kind of, I, I popped up randomly. It's about a week old. Um, uh, NewsNationNow.com. I've never heard of them before, really. But... Uh, the headline is a California neighborhood under quarantine due to invasive fly species. And I thought that was pretty interesting given, you know, the last, uh, man, has it been four years already? And just, yeah, and just all the quarantines. Uh, so in South Cal Southern California, uh, the Tau fruit fly, which is native to Asia, is, quote, a serious Sorry, I just clicked on why are uh, people drinking Borax cleaning powder on TikTok, which is a question I'll dig into later. <laughs> uh, it's a, quote, serious pest for agricultural and natural resources. I didn't do too much digging on it, but it looks like they're just one of those insects that just ruin massive amounts of crops. Uh, so basically a 79 square mile uh in southern california has been completely quarantined and they don't go into like what exactly is their definition of quarantine because it doesn't sound like from the article that they're actually being forced to like not leave their houses it really just seems like it is more don't like bring fruits or vegetables out of this area that you may have bought I see. <clears throat> and being an experienced murderer of lesser beings, uh, Justin, what would your recommendation be for this community on how to deal with these pests? I thought maybe Anakin was here because I was reading the story. <laughs> Anakin Skywalker? Yeah, because he murdered a bunch of... Never mind. Ah, uh, yes. <clears throat> if, if you know, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, the, the issue is with, you know, a lot of invasive species, it's just people, you know, I mean, I'm not a big government guy, but it's probably not a good idea to just bring in a like boxes full of fruit from another country. So right. that that's that's what they say happened. Okay, so did they did they identify? Was it like many groups of people? Was it like one supermarket? Was it like illegal people coming over the border? What's the scoop there? Uh, it just says flies uh, are typically found in a range of fruits and vegetables, and that it was twenty towel flies in the Stevenson Ranch area of the Santa Clarita Valley. And da, 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 officials believe the fly was introduced to L.A. County by travelers who brought uninspected produce into the state. Hmm. It, it's not a long article. I just thought I just thought quarantine. It's, it kind of just hmm. feels like they're really starting to get that into our our vocabulary. Yeah. Um, so, do you guys don't currently have any quarantinings at state borders? Nope. Okay. Well, we do. Um, we've had that for, oh gosh, as long as I can remember, um, which basically entails 
when you get to the border, there's some bins and some signs that say, please dispose of any, you know, like organic matter, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so a lot of it, I don't know whether they do have inspectors from time to time. Possibly they do, and there's a bit of an outbreak of something, maybe. I I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, it really just comes down to the trust system. Um, That's an interesting so. factoid about Australia. I did not realize that they had that. Now, I believe that there's a very strict quarantine process from the United States to Hawaii, um, things like that. Although I've never been to Hawaii, so I know, you know, like Perm has been and would probably know better. But I think they're even strict on like if someone is moving there and trying to take their dogs there, things like that. But yeah, as far as the rest of the United States, there there isn't you know, there's nothing like that. Unless right. well, you're trying to get to Alaska, because then you got to go through Canada. Right. I think um, <clears throat> it's not all states in Australia that have that, but um, I think it's sort of more about things like fruit fly primarily and things like that. Um, but we've we've always had quite strict quarantine laws for um, particularly for animal like dogs and domestic animals coming here because we are rabies free. So, um, yeah, we're well, trying to keep it that, that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, be nice to keep it that way. I mean, there's like nothing makes you appreciate life more than having a rabid dog come running after you. Oh, I've you know, uh, experienced rabid dogs in Egypt. <laughs> uh, you saying you're uh, rabies free reminds me. Australia of, is. I'm not. <laughs> or Australia is. Reminds me of <clears throat> every every high school you drive past here has a sign out in front of it that says. Drug fee school zone, and oh. I go, nope. There's coffee <laughs> in the staff room, isn't not. it? <laughs> so, I, yeah. I bet there's rabies somewhere in Australia. They, well, they, I the don't think there's government is. marketeers just like to promote it as rabies free. Maybe they're I mean, calling it COVID. I don't know. Isn't rabies everywhere? I mean, isn't that like just a thing? Well, one of the number one carriers of rabies is bat. And I'm pretty sure there's some migratory bats that could probably clear from like Australia up to um, what's what's up north, like New Guinea, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah, Indonesia. Yeah, I mean that's a good point because we do have a lot of bats species and um, flying foxes, which they're sort of really not bats, but I think they're sort of considered bats now. But um, so yeah, um, it's surprising we don't have it. In fact, I wonder if we do. Now you got me wondering. Well, I mean they say. <laughs> They say the U.S. is, uh, you know, like polio-free and smallpox-free and bubonic plague-free, but that stuff pops up once in a while, one or two cases. Well, I just saw an article years. saying typhus is becoming a major issue in Los Angeles uh, because of all the fleas from all the homeless people. Um, and, well, they didn't imply it was the homeless people. That's just kind of like, duh. And the other one was um, down in Florida... Oh crap! I just thought. What what was the old disease that's coming back in Florida? Leprosy. 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 Really? They're trying to push it. Yeah. Look. Sorry, you keep going, Justin. No, that, that was it. Uh, okay. As soon as I saw that, it's like, oh, skin irritation. Gee, that's um another symptom of the jabba jabba do. Oh, people will take cr crazy medications that have just, like psoriasis, which is basically. I mean, I. At, at probably the most average level, it's like having ashy elbows, but like the the it just crushes your immune system. The medicine for it, yeah, right. yeah, which I believe is um you know an overreaction of the immune system to begin with, and I think a lot of this can be traced back to, uh, yeah. It's not, I don't think it's just the COVID thing. I, I think it's hard for us to even tell these days because there are so many um, vaccines that are given to, to people from day one, mm. but we certainly could have a nice comparison with the Amish or people that are vaccine free. But I think that that's a lot of these autoimmune issues that are flared up are from that. And then of course they sell you the cure, right? So they sell you these um, immunotherapy drugs for rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis and all of that stuff. So 
I think that's part of the whole system to create lifelong customers. <clears throat> so that just reminded me, and I just saw this on Twitter. I have not verified it. Um, apparently, an article from IFL Science from today, uh, Tuesday, the 8th, uh, 2023 in August. New Epstein-Barr virus vaccine candidate shows promise. So now they have a vaccine for vaccine effects. <laughs> and then they'll have a vaccine for that one. Exactly. Yes. And I saw, so... Um, that one on just really blew my mind, though. Like, this is Looney Tunes. What a bunch yes. of horse paste. <laughs> I saw that on Twitter. Uh, it was shared by Weaponized News. And I... It also reminded me that I'm pretty sure it's Moderna, but one of the companies is coming up with a vaccine for heart problems. And if I recall correctly from that article, it discussed that it would cause like regrowing, I guess, of certain things in the heart. Um, I don't know if it's actual cellular material because that's one of the things they say is like in situations of the heart and the brain and the nervous system that those cells don't regenerate so i don't know if this is causing cell regeneration or how it is what is the actual mechanism for working but i do know that one of these mrna companies i think it's moderna is working on a heart vaccine which, well, of course, goes right along with hard damage that was done. Well, hopefully you can get, you got to get the myocarditis vaccine before you get the any of the other vaccines. Because if you're not vaccinated for myocarditis, then I'll, do vaccines work like backwards? Well, I think then this myocarditis one might, right? I was going to say you need to get your myocarditis first then get your vaccine to cure it. Yeah, and I mean, you're going to have uh, confidence in that because if they created the problem, then, then they've got the solution, haven't they? So exactly. They're, they're going to know exactly karma. how to treat what they created. So stick with Moderna. And I, I said <laughs> this this earlier on Twitter about a certain um, Middle Eastern uh, country's residents, but like how do people, or how are more people not noticing Yes. What? Oh, it was in, um, it was France. It was a, a, a subset of the Catholic church that was what being canceled in France because they said things that were considered to be anti-Semitic. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't even necessarily, you know, I was just like the whole thing, like, like even like the vaccines and everything. It's like, how do people just like, they just fucking got sued for the whole fucking opiate thing. And it was the biggest verdict in history. And people are still like, oh, no, I love my drug company. I know. <laughs> I know. It's wild. I guess they yeah. love Pfizer more than they love government. Maybe. It's the <clears throat> yeah. same difference. Uh, most of the, you know, politically liberal people I've ever been, you know, hung out around with are usually really anti big corporation you know that's like a really big thing for them they sure did used to be and and uh and anti-war and all yeah. these things and now they just aren't well it's very <laughs> interesting it. it's it's really interesting that they have separated in their minds so it's like they don't consider them to be the same thing they somehow have done a mental gymnastics to say Big pharma that pushes opioids, bad. Big pharma that pushes vaccines and other experimental medication, good. Like, they have done that. I don't know how, but I have talked to people and, you know, I was like, because you, you know, you, you want to avoid pain medication. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But they're the same people that are like, oh, can you mask during this session? Now, granted, this was a long time ago. This was back during right when the shots were first coming out but i just they have done that mental gymnastics and i don't know how it doesn't register with them but it it literally doesn't they must be much more intelligent people than we are if we are sure. unable to grasp <laughs> their twisted logic 
I have this tiny little personal cringe when it's ref like the whole COVID business and its whole debacle is referred to as a past thing because it's like, no, 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 we're not past it. Like we're past the whole threat, obviously, but well, the supposed threat. Um, but it's like, no, we can't let this go. We do not forget. Like this is not over. <laughs> These, somebody's going to, heads need to roll here. <laughs> it's They're not past. We're still going. I I agree with that. And it is a, that's a good point because it's like, how do we refer to it? So it, when I consider something peak COVID, then I consider that like during active lockdowns. Now, not in my state, we weren't really locked down for all that long, but during the time when the mania was there, when nothing was happening and, you know, you have this weird time for everyone, but you're right. It is not over. And what, but it's more like, the actual COVID threat or them telling us the threat or, or whatever you want to say is, is not as high and the coverage yep. is not as high, but everything else that changed from that, which was a lot, that is still with us, you know? And it's like, it was like the day that the world changed, but that it was a permanent change. Like there is no going back from that. It's kind yeah. of how I, you know? When I said it's, when I was uh, saying that I wasn't actually referring to you, I, I meant sort of the people that you know, the big wigs that stand in front of the microphones and and tell us what to do and everything. And I was just like, no, it's not in your review mirror. It might be in your review mirror. <laughs> it's yeah. not in ours. So yeah. No, that I think I you make a, a really good point. But it and it is even interesting in in our discussion um, with each other. And I guess it will evolve as time goes, right? Like how do we kind of separate these segments of time and mm. sort of processing? This yeah, happened yeah. and, and that part's over, but the rest of it isn't over or, you know, I don't know. It's an interesting um, well, point. Well, we, we kind of, I don't say maybe not we, but uh, we as people generally refer to, you know, post 9-11, post 9-11 time because there's yeah. obvious security changes and things that are everywhere because of it. So it's post COVID, you know, post COVID yes. times. It's like a marking point. Yeah. Right. Um. So speaking of, I don't know how to segue into this. <laughs> Nature is beautiful, right? Yes. So yes. I've got a heartwarming story about animals. Yay. Um, <laughs> it better be, you better be telling the truth. Yeah, it better not oh, tell some horrible. Stella's going to kill you. Stella's going to kill you and I'm going to be her minion to help her <laughs> if this is like a disturbing story. Uh, Peggy Jones. It. Peggy Jones is a woman who lives in Texas, and uh, she owns a riding lawnmower. She was out mowing her grass in her lovely yard. I already don't uh, like where this is going. <laughs> when a rather large snake fell on top of her out of the sky. Oh, that's okay. It immediately wrapped around her forearm really tightly. And as she's trying to get the snake off of her arm, which is horrific enough, I'm sure Stella, this is nothing. This is like a typical. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh, he's frozen. Yeah, we get death adders caught in our shoelaces over here, so oh. no biggie. No biggie. And back to you, Keels. Okay. Keel, are you with us? I think a snake got him. A snake oh, fell from the ceiling. Right. Snake fell uh, from so the sky and wrapped itself. Wrapped around her arm, as she's trying to get this thing off of her arm, a a large hawk flew down and started attacking the snake. Oh and in the process, <laughs> started tearing the shit out of her arm. Wow. So what a this, story. This woman is sitting there with a snake and a hawk on her arm until the hawk had done its damage, ripped the snake from her arm, and then flew off with the snake. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. That's one for the grandkids. And uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> so let's see. She had she her husband came running out and took her to the uh, emergency room. Uh, she says, "I was yelling and screaming." He didn't. He didn't know what I was saying. I thought I was being. Oh, hang on. She oh says, the, "The snake was squeezing my was squeezing so hard, and I was waving my arms in the air. Then this hawk was swooping down, clawing at my arm over and over again." Explains why. I just kept saying, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Wow. Her husband takes her to the ER. 
and she was treated for cuts from the hawk and bruising from the snake squeezing on her arm. Oh, go sister. That's wow. so cool. So I got a, I got I'm a, amazed a that she didn't have, I oh, would have ahead. thought, Oh, sorry, Kiel. I would have thought that she would have had to have some pretty serious stitches and stuff like that. I would have thought her arm would be shredded. Well, I'm about to show you a picture. Oh, oh okay. A delightful picture of her arm. La, 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 la. Oh, wow. Okay. For what? the listeners, you don't want to see this. <laughs> I'm glad you're just listening. It's quite and shreddy. Here's here's her, the under part of her arm. And oh, my so goodness. Yeah. Um, I was wondering whether the hawk might have dropped the snake by accident while it was flying and then it came back and because that's like it knew. That's, I mean, what's the chances that a hawk was sitting in a tree just as a snake fell from the sky? <laughs> yeah, that's that was my my theory as well. Right. That's pretty smart but, theory. Uh, I think you're right. Wow, she was really in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Seriously. Don't buy I a mean, lottery ticket, lady. You'll be wasting your money. Woo. I mean, you're you're just now. Oh. So in, incredible that's story. Weird. Super incredible. Great. Who can she now? <laughs> exactly. So I have this is a weird tie-in, but this reminds me of a very famous story, and you may or may not be familiar with it, but it's called the staircase. It actually happened in Durham, North Carolina, right down the road here. And this woman was allegedly murdered by her husband. Now he was found guilty. By a jury of his peers, and he was sentenced to life in Senate, in prison. However, there was um, it came out that there was the State Bureau of Investigation here in North Carolina was up to no good. And the blood spatter expert has actually he lied, Dwayne Deaver. He lied in trial in other cases, and he was found. So this guy, whose wife. Um, the staircase suit or the staircase uh, trial, they overturned that guilty decision. And he had already spent a lot of time, like eight, nine, 10 years in jail. So he ended up getting out with an offered plea, which is basically saying pleading guilty, but saying I'm not actually guilty. But she was a neighbor of theirs who was a former retired attorney had come up with a theory that she was attacked by an owl. And some of it's a really interesting case. Now, some of the lacerations on the back of her head look similar to exactly what this woman's arm looked like. I mean, it's shredded to ribbons, but if you compare side by side, there are similarities and it kind of looks in this woman's um, in the autopsy picture, it looked like where a, an owl would kind of grasp the back of the head and they are known to attack the head. And then it was kind of ripped. And um, I don't know, a lot of similarities there. Creepy. I don't want to be attacked by a raptor. No way. <laughs> no. Or don't, 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 wear your, don't wear your hair in a bun that makes you look like an animal back there. Just Now that you <laughs> mentioned the owl, that's vaguely familiar. Yes. How long ago? That was a while ago, wasn't it? it? Yes. The actual incident happened in 2001. And then there, I think it was probably 2010 by the time he was getting a new trial or they were getting out of prison and looking at the new trial and all of that stuff. Um, and then there's a documentary out there. There's a podcast. So it was actually a podcast based out of Durham, North Carolina called Criminal. And this was posted in 2008. That's the first time that I heard about the story. And they actually detail the owl theory. And apparently owls have microscopic feathers. And that was found on the body of Kathleen Peterson. Well, that's very amazing. The yes. animal world takes its revenge. Yeah. I mean, look at the orcas. <laughs> Yeah, they're getting tired of our shit. They've had enough. Yep. Yeah, I don't I blame them. Yeah, yes, yeah. I don't blame them. <laughs> well, that's three of us. We don't. Blame I'm, them. you know, I'm excited about that orca, you know, thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty cool, you know, because yeah. in the old days, and I, I think I made this point several shows ago, but in the old days, they would just start, you know, hunting them down and like we would start 
hunting orcas down and killing them because they're getting in the way of our boats. But mm -hmm. you can't really do that now. So these orcas, these yeah, these orca uh, behavior is going to spread. I would think, right? Well, and we're assuming they're not hunting them down. We just haven't heard anything. Yeah, that's true. But you know, if that ever, if somebody caught wind of that, it would probably get uh, a lot of uh, negative, you know, I like how, operation down. Yeah, I like how you done. said caught wind of it. Like there's, we have like whale spies out there like keeping their ears open for any any there probably any is whale spies out there and but, i'm glad dolphins they're trained yeah I, but I, they, you know orcas orcas are going to continue destroying boats they're just going to keep doing that they'll pass the the behavior on to other orcas and other pods of orcas which will translate into probably other types of whales would see this kind of behavior and mimic it Maybe. Maybe. Well, I'm I'm Maybe. all for the whales and the and the orcas and the dolphins. Rise up, cetapods. <laughs> They'd be better rulers than the rulers we got now. Yeah, Orca lives be. matter. You know. You you heard it. You heard it here f first, folks. Yeah, you did. We support the orcas. We think they're based and chad pilled, yeah. and we support their revenge. Let's go, orcas. <laughs> now, here's the question, though: How long? is the memory of an orca because as you said keel we when we talked about this story a while back like we assumed i feel like that it was based on a recent like recent incidents but what mm -hmm. if these whales are like oh no 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 no, motherfucker this is from like 1900s i've been waiting to exact my revenge on you this was passed that... down from my grandmother could be they might be descendants of the whale that swallowed jonah it could go back to biblical generations was that an orca that swallowed Jonah? I imagine that must need, no, would need to be a bigger whale than that. Yeah, same well, thing. You see, well, we've already talked about the whale network kill. You know it exists. <laughs> we're talking. <laughs> we're talking two thousand years, man. All right. I just think that's cool. I, I think it's cool that, that animals can, you know, teach Fight each other back. how to do stuff like that. It's it's like uh, there was a, a story. I I don't know if if I have all the details right, but there was a study conducted an experiment with uh, chimpanzees where they had a group of chimpanzees and they had like a ladder and at the top of the ladder was a, a treat or something or a toy. And whenever any of the chimpanzees tried to, like at first they let them climb up there and get food. And so then they learned there was food up there. But then they started playing loud noises. And when they climbed up the ladder, right? So then the, the, the chimpanzees recognize that when they climb up the ladder, it's, it's, it hurts them. So then they learned not to do that. So then they took some of the chimpanzees out and put new ones in who hadn't, who didn't know that there were loud noises there. So when they tried to climb up the ladder to get the food, the other chimpanzees attacked those chimpanzees to prevent them from triggering the the uncomfortable noise. And then they removed all of the original chimpanzees and brought in new chimpanzees. And when the new chimpanzees tried to climb up the ladder, the existing chimpanzees still attacked them, even though they didn't know why they were attacking them. It's, it was just a learned behavior. So my guess is these orcas don't know why they like to attack boats nowadays, but they know that other whales do it. So they do it too. And I think that's, I mean, obviously that's how it gets transferred, but I don't know if they're smart enough to say, Oh yeah. Uh, grandma orca got hit by a boat 20 years ago. And so we're all just going to attack boats from now on, you know, how, funny would it be if the whales were just trying to have sex with the boats because the all the microplastics in the oceans have altered their warped their brains well they can warp out their endo, um, endocrine system and everything just like it's doing to us yeah maybe True. it sort of reminds me of the what's it, the whales gay Thank you. The macaque monkeys or whatever they are those monkeys that um where, well, this is the story anyway, one of them decides to, uh, I don't know, they're eating yams or some sort of 
food that they dug oh, up and then yeah. they went one went down and washed it in the water and then apparently the others saw and then they'll, I mean I don't know who came up with that story or who was there that saw the yeah. very first monkey go down and do that but uh, apparently that's what happens I, we, yeah, I don't I think, think we give animals enough credit as far as intelligence goes sounds like they yeah. were getting into a whole lot of monkey business <laughs> I was watching a video yesterday actually of this lady who's um in fact it could have even been Costo's wife or daughter. I can't remember her name now. It sounded like her. Anyway, um this lady was deep diving and she had basically befriended over a period of time, like a couple of years or a year, befriended this huge eel, like a boray eel type th or this massive eel. It was really big. And um, at first, you know, it took her a while and then this eel just decided to come out and, you know, a little bit further and, and then it just came out and it was just cuddling her, like literally just, you know, cruising around almost like a cat would sort of round your legs and that. And um, she'd go regularly, even she, she said I could be away for a year and then come back and this eel would recognize me, come out straight away. You'd just see this thing coming from out from a rock and it would come up and greet her and it would peck on her face and just like never hurt her or anything she was it was definitely this affection it was absolutely that incredible, incredible. So, yeah that's incredible i, I love to stories to like that, that again i can't yeah. even get my cat to let me pet him <laughs> <laughs> well and i was thinking that reminded me too uh when we talk about how smart animals are like you hear the story about the octopus that escaped like all the way back to the sea i mean <laughs> Unbelievable lab. stories of animals. Wasn't that, wasn't that a cartoon? It was based on true story. It's from a laboratory, wasn't it? That it Free, or uh, finding Willie Nemo. Nemo. Yeah. I thought you guys were talking about Squidbillies. No, that no. is an that is an absolutely a true documentary, Squidbillies. I'm gonna find this story. Well, when you say based on. You could take a whole lot of a whole lot of liberties. Yeah. As Hollywood does. Well, there is that one documentary on Netflix where it's like the guy fell in love with an octopus. My oh, octopus yeah. teacher. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I heard he was a leg man. <laughs> so. Yeah, it was Inky the octopus escaped. You're right, Stella, from a lab. That sounds real. It, it is Ooh, real inky. well you're okay how about i you're right about that because there are some stories that i want to believe happened even though i know i can't trust the mainstream that's one of the stories so i hope that inky escaped and lived his best life well they probably gave him superpowers by accident and Maybe. then he used those new powers to be able to open doors he yeah. could be the next ruler yeah. of the free world. Octopus. Hey. You hear her here first, folks. Octopus. <laughs> Hail octopus leaders. Hey. Speaking, speaking of free worlds. Inky uh, 2024. <laughs> speaking of, of, the, of the free land, uh, Stella down in Australia has a story. Yes, yeah, so sort of a little bit of a continuation-ish. Um, I think last brought a story about a young lady or oh, a lady um alex nickel is an australian who has uh, her video has gone quite viral apparently um she was the lady that was exposing the wind turbine scams and the subsidies in australia but it's everywhere it's just that she happened to be exposing it here um yeah total scam uh, she, I'll just quickly run over it. Um, she was talking about the subsidies from governments um, to private corporations, basically, who then come along and offer um, a farmer around about $12,000 from their six hundred dollars to $900,000 subsidy. So figure out the maths there. What is it? Point something percent. Um, the farmer also is liable for that turbine and any damage it may create. Uh, she has now done a, like a part two of this to follow up. Uh, she said that uh, even though, she said that they have increased the subsidy for the farmers to thirty thousand dollars now. It's like whoo, let's have a party. Uh, but they're still they're still liable and everything. Um, they also have to sign a contract which involves um, a gagging clause. Somebody's yeah, somebody's got some echo there. 
um, somebody mute. <laughs> so a gagging clause, which uh, I think they get about an extra 5k or something for apparently. And um, she has exposed a whole bunch of like companies that are behind all this, basically the outcome without going into all the boring details. It's just so, so corrupt. It's so blatantly corrupt. It's beyond belief. Um, and the government is right in there. It goes back to um, another prime minister we had, which she, she didn't want to say the name, and I guess there was some sort of legal implication there, but I'll say it. it's Malcolm Turnbull. He was the prime minister at the time, heavily invested in all this sort of stuff. Anyway, um, she has recommended, if anybody would like to do a little bit of their own digging, she, is rec she recommended a three things, a documentary called Enron, E-N-R-O-N, Enron, the smartest guys in the room. That's probably worth watching. Uh, she also recommended a book called Pigs in the Trough by a, <laughs> by a um, author called Adam Schwab. <laughs> I don't think there's probably any relation there. Fairly common name. Um, that was published in September 16, 2010. And the reason I tell you that is because there's another book called Pigs in the Trough, which was written by Ariana Huffington, creator of Huffington Post. Um, back in 2003, but that is not the book she's referring to. The Adam Schwab book is about the Australian thing, but very, they're similar themes, both books, so either way, the other one's American. Um, and also a website called stopthesethings.com that is worth visiting. Um, if you guys want to, anyone listening would like to learn about what's going on under the bonnet of all this green garbage that they're trying to sell as good for the planet because... It is not. So uh, on that uh, website, stopthesethings.com, I went and had a look at a few um, articles. Uh, there, does anyone want to say anything at this point before I ramble on? Does it? Keep, keep oh. rambling. Okay, somebody's got some earthing loop problems there. I think it might be using camp. Okay, maybe keep. Anyway, I'll, I'll keep rambling. <laughs> So one of these articles here is called Blade Runners, wind, in, wind industry dumping millions of tons of blades every year. So basically, uh, places like Iowa, Oregon, and I think Illinois was the other one, are sort of basically pretty bad dumping grounds for dilapidated blades. And, and I mean, these things only last, they say, about 20 years, but the reality is that they don't even last that long. Uh, here we go. Wind turbines do not last 20 years. Their economic lifespan is less than 15 years, with their major components, generators, bearings, and blades often being replaced several times during that period. In the US, one operator is replacing all of its turbines after less than 12 years. Less than 12 years. Now we know how fast time goes. That's not very long, is it? Um, to date, there's been discovered a financially viable means of, to date, there has yet to be discovered a financially viable means of recycling those wind turbines. As a result, today's old wind turbines are being dumped into toxic waste dumps. Um, these things are covered in all sorts, they're made and covered in all sorts of toxic chemicals, um, which as they break down, it all leaches into things, you know, th these things are often dumped next to, in wetlands next to natural springs, um, all the toxins break down, the plastics and everything into all the environment. These companies say they're going to recycle these things, but they don't. They're not really recyclable. Uh, so they dump them and they bury them a lot of the time. Just cover them over, just leave them for the next generation that we're supposed to be saving with these things. Well, they are. So this thing is a total scam. We, like, we know this, but there's so, so much more evidence coming out uh, 40, yeah, okay, here, globally by 2050 projections are that there will be 43 million tonnes of blade waste produced every year, the equivalent of, this is the new measuring standard next to Olympic pools, the equivalent of 215,000 locomotives, <laughs> okay. Go, go so, in the American route, anything but the metric system. <laughs> Yeah, I love the way they come up with these measuring systems. Football fields, Olympic pools, and now we've got locomotives. Uh, this is a, an interesting... Yep. I'll say, and that's just windmill blades. Like, 
Now you got to take into account all the solar panels, the batteries in <laughs> yeah. the windmills, uh, the steel that the windmills are made of themselves. Which are all created through coal-powered means. All of yep. the stuff that they're creating and transporting and having to fix the roads afterwards and putting them in and taking them out and dumping them and covering them over, it's all coal-powered, fuel, diesel, whatever. It's a bunch of crap, right? I mean, if anyone's still falling for this, go away. Unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of people are. It's galling, though. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely crazy. galling that you would have somebody like Greta, you know, when she first came onto the scene, when she was like 16-year-old, you know, you have the 16-year-old lecturing you on your car. And and I don't expect her to necessarily understand all of this because I think she's being used as a puppet and who knows what she's been through. But just the, the point is getting lectured by these people whenever, like you're saying, Stella, it's so clearly a disgusting scam. Let me tell you about Greta Thunberg. That little elf, that little imp, she has been placed. She, if you look into her history... Uh, her parents, I don't know if it was both of them, but I think her mother was an actor or whatever. They're on the acting scene. But the grandfather, fully into the eugenics scene. Okay? Yeah. She's a puppet. She's placed there for a purpose. She's a made-up character, useful idiot. Useful yeah, for sure. Idiot. Yeah. And, and I almost wonder, with kids like that, I wonder if they have gone through, like, the mind control... Um, I don't even know that they're experiments anymore. Like, I feel like they probably have it down pretty well by now. So yeah. if they have gone through some of that sort of mind-breaking ritual abuse to get them to kind of be this character, I always wonder about that for kids that are used for these purposes, for the propaganda. So you're saying like Manchurian candidate? Maybe. I have no doubt about that. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with her when she reaches around about 30, because if it follows the pattern of other MK, MK'd children or mind-controlled children, um, around about 30, apparently, it sort of starts to wear off. But I think that's probably their older methods. I have no doubt that they've got, you know, renewable energy in mind control. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Recycled. Yeah, it's, that's it's a good the point. most important energy of all, mind energy. Yeah, exactly. That's the the last frontier. That's the final frontier. I keep saying that's the bit. Yeah. They tell us to look out into space is the final frontier. No, it's our mind. You know. So we got to look the opposite way. But um, there was an there was an interesting uh, little thing here too. Uh, in the same article, by the turn of the century in twenty one hundred, that seems so far off, but it's actually sort of not. Uh, by the turn of the century in twenty one hundred, the world population is projected to be more than eleven billion from its current eight billion. The world's population in 2100 is projected to be dominated by India, Nigeria, China, US, Pakistan, Democratic Republic of Congo, Indonesia, Ethiopia, Egypt, and Tanzania. Noticeable by their absence from the population lists are countries that are wealthier but less populated like Germany, UK, Australia, Canada, Japan, and Russia. But that was an interesting little thing because when I'm thinking about all the immigration that's being forced around the planet at the moment, it kind of makes sense. Where yeah, that's what I was thinking. Too. What do they call it? The Kalergi or the Kaligi Kalergi plan to uh, basically, you know, wipe out certain populations. Yeah. Yep. Certain races. Yep. Race targeted. Um, I just want to know, like, I mean, this is ridiculous. To date, I'm just repeating what I said before about um, to date there hasn't been any financial viable means of recycling these wind turbines. This is all back to front, isn't it? These people who claim to be saving the planet and wanting to um, protect the environment, who are creating these disastrous nightmares, now they've had their, you know, their fancy schmancy think tanks all along, a, a few times a year, where they get together and make their evil plans. Um, and... If they were genuine about saving the planet, they would have thought about this whole recycling thing before everything got started. Um, so they would have had the plan all laid out and, you know, ship shape, all airtight before they started putting them in the ground. So this is just another example of they don't care. They're not, it's just for money. I am very encouraged by Sweden. Yep, Sweden. 
Uh, da, da, da. Sweden shocked Europe by abandoning unstable green electricity agenda and returning to nuclear power. Um, Sweden has also abolished the subsidies for electric cars and plug-in hybrids. Uh, and looking at Germany, who have actually shut down their last remaining nuclear power, and now instead of being an exporter of power, they're an importer of power. So that's completely yep. stuffed them up. So there's an example. Like let's let's have a look at the example, people. Um, but obviously it's not under our control. Absolutely. The the correct answer these days is nuclear power. If you're really that serious about getting rid of fossil fuels, that's it. That's the answer. Yes. Don't, and don't, don't give me any bull crap about, oh, it's, you got a nuclear waste and all that stuff. That's, you're not going to have any kind of energy uh, source of, of note without waste of some kind. Yep. And I look back now like collectively in hindsight and think, okay, they frighten the crap out of us about nuclear bombs, right? Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And yet they're encouraging, they're not only encouraging um, tourism to these places now, which is, oh, oh, I, I, weren't they full of radiation? Oh, no, no, it's all good. Um, I mean, the G7 had their summit there. No, the, see, what happened year. is they the blew health up. ministers, they weren't worried about it. They blew it. The bombs blew up in midair, so none of the radiation <laughs> made it to the ground. Oh, well, that 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 That's creates the story maximum been... impact. If they do That's... it just off the ground, that creates more impact than it does if they hit the ground. As far as nuclears go, right? I'm just yeah. telling you what the experts on Twitter have told me. <laughs> yeah, but it's also good that um, I don't know. Joe Rogan has recently come out as oh shock horror with you know that dude that pointed out that those stupid little models that you know the black and white footage that they showed us um to scare the life out of us yeah about uh, all being blown away and the mannequins in the room and this guy just says oh what about the camera how did the film survive and it's like and rogan just goes you shit <laughs> basically made him think of it it's like good okay joe rogan's got a pretty big reach no matter what i think of him he's got a big reach and that has been sort of exposed and i look back now and just think They've been trying to scare the crap out of us about nuclear, right? But yet it is, and Fukushima, I mean, that scared the crap out of us too. And they continue. And then they tried to scare us by saying, oh, they're going to let all the water out and all this radiated water out. And it's going to create all this drama around. And they had all these projections of where the radiation is going to drift to. And it's like fear, fear, fear. But now it's like, okay, are they just creating all this fear? Because it is actually a really good source and a clean source of power and they don't want it. And for some reason, maybe they can't make as much money out of it or whatever. But these, you know, 40, 40 to $60 billion is going out of the Australian economy with these subsidies and these private companies. And it's going out of the country. It's going overseas. And where most of this stuff is mined uh, is Bolivia, Congo, uh, Mongolia. It's all under, well, most of it is under Chinese control. Enough said. China. China. Yeah. And I wanted to throw in there too, that I think you're right, that they were sort of had reached their limit of the amount of profit that they could be making in the traditional uh, gasoline, coal power, nuclear power plant um, kind of way of doing business. So I think what they did was create essentially out of whole cloth, green energy. And it ties in with a lot of the agenda, though. So it is about money, I think. But I also think the, the one thing that they definitely don't want is for people to be energy independent in any capacity whatsoever. They want to be able to turn your car off. They want to be able to turn your you know, your means of like heating your home off, things like that. So I think that's another reason for this is that they would have more control from an external perspective to say like, oh, you have been bad. So now your car doesn't go anywhere. So I think it has also been about that control mechanism and, and tying your behavior into your access to resources. Yeah, and um, if anybody thinks that they're independent, you know, energy independent because they've got a few solar panels or whatever, you're not. You're still on it. You're still attached because you have to get those solar panels renewed. You have to get your batteries renewed, all that stuff. That, and, you know, you're still going to be dependent on that stuff. So we need to think more back to, you know, Amish or 
pre-electricity days and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how many people are going to have the opportunity to do that? People living in apartments and that can't just start a fire, right. can they, and warm their house? Well, uh, my favorite yeah. part of the last year has been people discovering that solar panels don't work when A, it's too cold, or B, it's too hot. And they also risk um, house fire if you have them attached to your roof. And we, I talked to Bruce, Brucey, about that in our um, our group here, and he said, "Yeah, you're you're definitely at a higher risk for your house catching on fire because of the solar panels that are on your roof." Now, I know that there are all, there are alternatives to that, but it's something to think about. Yeah. Absolutely is. And I wonder how insurance companies um, clause that into their contracts, you know. Probably about <laughs> the, same way probably the same way they're doing it with the electric vehicles, because those are just spontaneously combust too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, what a disaster those batteries are. You can't even Oh, put them yeah. Out. It's sure. two-thirds burning, the price of the car. Burning forever, yeah. Um, the other thing that I wanted to throw out there that made me think of Sweden being the one of the first European, or I know they're Scandinavian technically, but um, being one of the first countries to eschew the new green technology in some way. And part of me thinks that that's another trial balloon. What they're going to do is turn some countries into total disasters with their climate lockdowns, exactly what they did with COVID, government lockdowns. And then you're going to have these countries like Sweden who are like, well, we didn't do that and we're fine. And it won't matter. People will still be totally obsessed, totally bought into the narrative. Um, And I think that that may be more like demoralization and revelation of the method. I don't know. That's just my thinking. But the first thought whenever you brought that up about Sweden, Stella, was that it was another trial balloon in their little experiments that they do in different countries. Well, thank God we have guns Quite here. Possible. Yeah, you lucky bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even have a slingshot here. Well, I mean, with the availability of 3D printers and the, the massive um, leaps they're taking in uh, printing technology, it's not unrealistic to print yourself a um, gun um, stylized paperweight uh, <laughs> for like the cost of a $300 printer and some filament. That's yeah. true. The issue would be in, in places like Australia at the moment would probably be ammunition. Now, mm. I did hear from someone mm. who is prominent in the 3D printing field um, and they had a post that said that they thought there were they're like 10 or 15 years out from being able to print ammunition. So oh. I think that is something to consider. And that would be something, um, you know, an option. That's, that's too long. <laughs> <laughs> that's Maybe. Too long. Look, yeah. I remember um, the dude I used to go out with, or actually ended up marrying. <laughs> forgot about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> He uh, he used to make his own lead, uh, fishing sinkers. I remember him, you know, melting down the lead and making his own fishing sinkers. So you know, if you had a decent mold, I can't see and why. I can't I can't imagine it's that hard to make gunpowder. China's been doing it for twenty fucking centuries. Yeah. yeah, China. Exactly. It always yeah, leads back to China. Yeah. Look, let's just be clear. I want to say I'm not racist against China myself. Um, I, it's the establishment. It's the you know the cabal basically at the top and yeah. you look at China and they're behind all the things that are making these supposed, you know, world saving things. Um, and yet in the meantime, if you have a look at how many coal fired power stations they're building, it's out of control. It's gone through the roof since 2020. So what's the deal with that? For sure. I definitely feel like uh, Xi Jinping is just part of the new world order and that's just being used totally. for, people, resources, and, you know, used and abused, just like that. I mean, and a lot of people are saying that that's the model. Um, the control mechanism that they have there is what they want for the rest of us. So I I agree. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh, Ashley, what, uh, we don't have a whole lot of time, but what is your story that you brought to Yeah, so I just really wanted to uh, quickly follow up on, there's more detail to explore here, but I will keep it pretty quick. 
Um, shout out to the drizzle from Grand Theft World Radio. Um, first of all, we he had told me last week because I had mentioned the um, is it Khashoggi, the journalist that was killed in yep. Saudi Arabia, and he said, you know, those are two very different circumstances. So I think that that's worth exploring in general, but <clears throat> that that is not like the Gonzalo Lira situation. So after last week, I touched on the story a little bit about what was happening and that we were kind of waiting to hear back if, you know, if there was any news, if Gonzalo was able to escape to Hungary, where he was seeking political asylum. Now, that didn't end up uh, happening. And it wasn't long after that, that someone, I think it was an American um, transgender person, who was speaking on the um, on on behalf of the Ukraine and saying that Gonzalo had been captured? I guess now. When I was looking into this, I had asked a basic question: Why was he there to begin with? Because he was an American. So why would any American be staying in Ukraine after all this time? Now people uh, told let me. me I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, who is Gonzalo? Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so that is a good question. Um, so the article that I'm referencing today, this was sent to me by uh, Drizzle, and it is an article by Scott Ritter, and he has a very good intro on uh, Gonzalo. So it's that he was a well-known Chilean-American YouTube personality, and he has been in the news lately. A former lifestyle coach, he rebranded himself as a geopolitical commentator in the lead-up to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, providing gripping firsthand observations, often critical of the Ukrainian government and contradictory of the Ukrainian narrative um, that he was posting to YouTube. As his popularity grew, his social media footprint expanded, and then he was getting, you know, thousands of followers that were keeping up with him. And then what people told me was that he had married a Ukrainian woman and they had two children, which is why he was in Ukraine. But apparently they got out not long after the Russian invasion happened and he stayed behind. But I don't know why he would stay behind. So then the other thing that I learned through this article was that he originally was detained by them in April of 2022. So I didn't realize that he had been detained that far back. Um, so there was that that happened. And then, again, we were told that he had been detained by Ukraine, that he did not make it to the political asylum in Hungary. And, you know, we haven't really heard anything else. Now, uh, last week, Kiel, I'll just catch you up on that him saying that he was basically tortured while he was in prison and that they extorted money from him and that he was abused, but he was let out. And then people were, and he was saying to his followers online that he was going to try to seek political asylum. So people were saying, why would you announce this? This doesn't make any sense. So the article from Scott Ritter is critical of that. And he's looking at it in a deeper analysis, but basically the long story short, he believes that uh, Gonzalo is working for and providing information to the Ukrainian government. Now, it seems like he thinks that it's because they caught him and arrested him. And this is how he can keep his, you know, his freedom or his safety or whatever. Um, but the, the point is, is that he's saying that there's more to the story than what we have been told and that he's likely working with, you know, whoever is running the show in Ukraine. Um, so I thought that that was an interesting follow-up. Now, the other thing this week, George Calloway, who, or Caraway, he works for, uh, Russia Today. Are y'all familiar with him? No. Any, okay. So anyway, he was interviewing Gonzalo's dad, which was, um, Drizzle also took this as, 
that this guy's doing essentially a publicity tour. So it kind of gives a little bit more credence to the fact that whatever we're being told from Gonzalo is probably not true. Um, so this definitely deserves more analysis and I do want to dig into it a little bit more, but I wanted to provide that update. Far out, man. Our whale overlords Appreciate would never it. treat us like that. True. Funny how these people always do their tours. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. And that was the, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, Drizzle and myself both, um, cause he posted and tagged me under George's Twitter post about hey I'm, I'm interviewing gonzalo's dad and then i was like wow isn't that interesting and we both ended up getting blocked by oh, okay guys <laughs> so i mean i always think why would you block someone for asking a question i don't know i don't i don't get it yeah i don't really block people very much i don't unless because you're, you asked a question you show critical right. thinking and intelligence asking is questions is racist I mute yeah. people so that I can let them tweet into the endless void. And I, I don't even do that. You know, if someone was harassing me or if they were tweeting a, a whole bunch, then maybe I would I would do that. But I don't oh, block or man, we I, mean, just, I don't even get that much interaction anyway. I started with Nina Turner. Do what, Kai? I said if they started harassing you, we would just track him down. Dox them and then... Never mind. In Minecraft. Yeah. In yeah. Dox them and um, just try to make sure that they lose their job. Make sure the entire internet knows who they are. <laughs> Kidding. Okay. Stella, what was that? Yeah. I have nothing more to say there. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. We have to expose these things. That's yep. our job. We have to be the educators. That's what we're doing. It's good. Yeah. Um, before we sign off, which I assume is coming up fairly shortly. Yep. I really, really just wanted to acknowledge, because I haven't had a sort of chance yet, I uh, just wanted to say my goodbyes to Sinead Marie Bernadette O'Connor. Mm. Uh, her funeral was held recently, or yesterday, in Ireland, attended by many, many people, and I just couldn't help thinking she would be blown away if she could see that, which I'm sure, who knows if she can, maybe she can. Um, but yeah, that was that was really awesome. That warmed my heart to see such a, an incredible reception to see her off because she was an enigma. She was an amazing person, very underrated, very mm -hmm. ahead of her time, strong, despite how scared she probably was doing some of the stuff, but she did it anyway. And that's, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that courage. Um, yeah, that that's, that's very lovely. And I, I did want to say, actually, so... Um, Two weeks ago, right after she passed away, even ESPN did a remembrance. I mean, it wasn't a ton, but it was they had a moment for her. And the tie in for that is because she's obviously Irish and um, Conor McGregor is Irish, too. And at one of his fights, she actually was live singing the song for him to walk out to. And I was not watching UFC at that time, but it was a very beautiful and moving scene uh, to see that. And yeah, it had to be hard for her to, to say some of the things that she said to stand up for the Catholic church or to the Catholic church when no one else was doing that. I mean, that was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. To stand up there and rip up a picture of the Pope, which that, that picture was one that she actually had on her wall for a very long time. And, um, that was her statement, which basically kind of ended her career. But <laughs> in fact, when she stepped yeah. off stage, if everyone's seen that, that moment where she uh, rips it up and says, fight the real enemy, she was, she mm -hmm. was actually singing without any accomplishment. It was uh, Bob Marley's song war. She mm -hmm. sang that ripped up the Pope, the photo of the Pope and said, fight the real enemy. And when she walked off stage, her manager said, I'm not going to be able to bring you back from this, you know? And she said, good. <laughs> good on her. She was gutsy. So yeah. Yep. Um, RIP. I hope you find, Peace. Yeah, agreed. That was very nice. Very nice. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you to Ashley and Justin and Stella again for all of your stories and insights. Thank you to our listeners for listening. Ashley, where can the listeners get a hold of the Union of the Unknowns? I'm glad you asked. You can find us on unionoftheunknowns.com. That is our link tree page where you can find 
all of the ways to get in touch with us, including Twitter, email, phone number, etc. Don't forget, we're also on Rockfin, and Kiel has a dedicated RSS feed where you can subscribe to our bonus content only seen on Rockfin or the RSS feed, so feel free to check that out as well. Thank you. Uh, for the Union of the Unknowns, I am Kiel Thor, and we are out. Good night, everyone. Bye. Yes. Not Your Mama's News has been a production of the Union of the Unknowns podcast. New episodes are available weekly on all your favorite podcasting networks.